Welcome to The Shift Show with Adriana Bucci. Join me every week to learn all about narcissistic abuse recovery, healing from physical and emotional pain after the abuse, and everything else to do with toxic people and how they affect your physical, emotional, and mental health. And no, you are not the crazy one. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. Let's get right to it. Welcome to episode number 38 of The Shift Show. Thank you for joining me today. This episode is another interview. This time it's with Matthew Katz. We talked all about his chronic pain journey. He spent 10 years battling his own depression and chronic pain, and he went from a physically active, pain-free law student to a shell of his former self who could no longer work, sleep, or find joy in life. Since incorporating a TMS approach to his pain roughly three years ago, he has largely recovered from his symptoms, and he's now in the process of founding a startup focused on creating small, safe, boundary-driven healing communities for those with TMS pain. More information can be found at his website, joypops.org. This will all be included in the episode details, so you can check out more of what he's doing in the chronic pain community on his website, and it is amazing. If you have any type of chronic pain, I highly recommend you look into all of this kind of stuff, TMS, Sarno, etc. And I will stop my tangent here and just start our interview because it's great. Here we go. Hi, Matt. Welcome to the Shift Show. Thanks for being here today. Hi, it's great to be here. I appreciate it. Awesome. So why don't we start with uh, you letting the audience know a bit of uh, who you are, a bit about um, your healing journey, and we'll, we'll get right into it. Yeah, so uh, my name is Matt. I am uh, 36 and I live in uh, Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, in terms of my healing journey, um, I guess I can start probably the easiest way is like back. So I've suffered from chronic pain for probably about 10 years. Um, and it started when I was in graduate school for in law school. Um, and I took a very um, kind of Western model, kind of conventional approach to my pain um, mm-hmm. for a long time. Um, and my pain started kind of, it, it kind of bounced around. So it was in my fingers, my elbows, my arms. And it really got to the point that I couldn't complete law school, like in any like conventional way. So I couldn't write, I couldn't type. And obviously like those are big components of being in law school. Just a bit, right? (laughs) Yeah, right. Um, So I like just became really good at like remembering what the teacher said in class and like, but I was very type A about it. It was like, I need this gone like yesterday um, and I need it gone quick. And I don't really like the idea that like this had anything to do with anything other than my physical body was just like not on my radar. Um, And so I just hopped around from doctor to doctor, surgery to surgery, Um, I wouldn't say it was like full victim mode, but it also wasn't like me taking any real accountability for my own health. It was very much like someone else needs to fix this. And like, I'm desperate for someone to fix it. So I had a couple of surgeries and since I wasn't really changing anything on the inside, like it just continued to get worse and worse and worse. 
um, to the point that eventually like my life just like the was a shell of like the former like self I couldn't sleep I couldn't drive I couldn't work um and so all of that is like the the really like um challenging part of the journey but about three years ago I found my way to kind of a mind-body approach or a TMS approach um and it was just the right time in my life I think I had slowly made some inroads before I found that approach where I had tried out things like meditation and journaling, but never under any type of framework that really embraced the idea that like physical pain was caused by like emotional trauma and emotional kind of like processing. Um, so I think it was just the right point in my life. I had, uh, we had just had our first child. And so there was that added importance of like, I've got to figure this out because I cannot right. continue to live like this for, exactly. you know, it, it just became more important. Um, and so, yeah, that, that was kind of like in a nutshell, that was the, the negative trajectory. And then um, I started with mind body work with a doctor out of Chicago, Dr. John Strax um, and started working. Yes. It, it, he really like, and I, he already knows this. Um, I'm sure I'm not the only person that says this, but he, he truly saved my life. And I don't mean that in like the sense of like, I do, I do mean it in the sense that he helped me on the right trajectory, but he also just gave me my life back or helped me right. get, give, get my own life back. Um, and so that journey with him um, has been night and day compared to kind of like the, 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 the negative kind of trajectory that my health had taken for a really long period of time. Mm -hmm. Right. That's so amazing. And, you know, like it's, it's so frustrating when you're in the depth of that chronic pain and you're trying all the things and there's just no solution or the pain just moves somewhere else in your body. And it's like, okay, am I really falling apart at this young of an age in my life? And then how much worse are things going to get in the future? It's super frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. in terms of like the future kind of like, um, you know, the fear about the future got to the point that I didn't even like, I did not like having birthdays because like in my mind, like birthdays were like, you know, I was 30 at that time, like maybe 30 years old. And so every time that my birthday came around, it was like a reminder of like your, how much more I still had to live, which right looking back on it is like a really like depressing thought but at the it time is, yeah. it was like people would celebrate my birthday and it's like I'm on a mile three of like a marathon that I don't want to be running um exactly. so I do not want to celebrate this and now looking back on it it's just like such a dark a dark place that chronic pain can can take you so quickly totally totally I I had some similar thoughts as well like you know my 30th birthday, I was like, okay, 30 going on 90, good times. <laughs> like, it's uh, such a disaster. And um, did you have like an injury before you got, you got the pain or did the pain just kind of come on randomly? Can you say that one more time? I didn't hear you. Oh, sorry. Did you have an injury that caused you to have the pain or did it come on sort of randomly just from like repetitive strain or wrong position yeah. or whatever? Right. So like, I guess like I could answer it two ways. One is like what I know now, like why I think the pain came on. But at the time, like, yeah, I thought it was just from repetitive 
you know, law school is basically just like wake up and and read and type until you go to bed. And so like there's a lot of hand action and a lot of, you know, physical like manipulation of the keyboard. And so that's what I attributed it to was repetitive strain um, was that was like my own kind of like diagnosis at the time. Now, looking back at law school, I'm like, oh, my goodness, like it clearly was it was super stressful period to begin with. And then it was all focused on learning about really terrible things that happened. So the way law school works is you just read a bunch of cases and you kind of learn how the law works by reading a, just like a, you know, thousands of cases And each one of those cases, no one has a lawsuit because things are going really well in their life. You know, they right. lawsuits are all because someone's fighting or something terrible happened. And so I was just reading and I was absorbing all these things. So like I'd read some case about some person I never met before that happened like 30 years ago where like they were on a construction site and some crane fell on them. And oh. then I would read the next one where like someone had like some product that malfunctioned and so they died or they got horribly oh hurt. Or, you know, it's just so it's just like this constant onslaught of fighting and negativity, which I ever since I've been little, I, I absorb like negative energy a lot and so i think looking back on it it wasn't so much an injury as much as it was just like being repeatedly exposed to basically other people's trauma or other people's um difficulties was really hard for me um to do and to try to do that you know law is all about basically divorcing the emotion from the situation so i was really treating myself in like the exact opposite thing that i needed (laughs) What I needed right. was really to learn how to like sit with emotion and embrace emotion and learn emotional vocabulary. And I was in a profession in a schooling that was all specializing in how to like extract like the emotion from a situation. Right. That's that's gotta be really difficult, right? And you know, when you think of it that way, it's like, how do you not get chronic pain from going to law school, you know? I know. Yeah. It's just like, it was a cesspool for, for chronic pain. Absolutely. And so you said you had surgery done. So did you actually have like MRIs of your discs in your back? And that was what the surgery was for? Like, were they protruding and all that? So it was kind of weird. So my pain was primarily at that time in my arms. Um, mm-hmm. So I had a lot of workup, you know, in terms of like, you know, I, I have no idea, honestly, how many MRIs or different diagnostic tests I had. I had a lot Um, and none of them really showed like tremendous, like there would be little areas where there might be this or that, but um, none of the testing that I had said like, oh, here's this obvious problem, which is the reason why you're having all of this pain. Um, But, you know, if you go to enough doctors, eventually you'll find someone that's willing to tell you that like, their procedure is what you need. And I think that's eventually, you know, where I got to was a, there a, a kind of, I won't go into all the, like the boring medical stuff, but found a, found a physician that said like this, this procedure will, will kind of fix the problems in your arm. Um, right. And I was so desperate for a cure that it was like, okay. Um, and, and very also deferential to the medical field uh, at that point of, you know, whatever they say I'll do. And I just need to go back to how my life was right. before pain. Um, and so I had a pretty advanced, like pretty like aggressive surgery on my arm where they like took this nerve that was supposedly kind of like the main culprit 
and like moved it to a different part of my arm and oh my kind of like buried it under a different transposed it to the other side of my arm so it was a pretty like oh. aggressive surgery um that sounds horrifying it, yeah yeah and it didn't work at all you know it just <laughs> oh made my things gosh, worse. That's even worse yeah and it, it obviously was because it wasn't the, the problem you know the the exactly. where the nerve was located was it wasn't what was causing the pain oh man so is your nerve still like moved to this day it still moved it still moved and um like after the surgery it, it got substantially worse but i have literally not one iota of pain in my arm it anymore now it it has like over time like transferred to other areas where i've had challenges but like to people that know me well, my wife, my family will tell you like how bad my arm pain is. And the fact that right. nothing physically has changed since it was that bad. And yet, like I have literally no pain in my arm. If someone would have told me that like seven or eight years ago, it, it's just like, is almost incomprehensible to me. Right. It's just learning about the whole mind body connection and going through doing that inner work and healing from it it's just so mind blowing once you get to that state of pain free, even when the pain is like you get your first five minutes of no pain or like a 10% reduction in your pain. It's like, oh, like why don't doctors tell people about this? Like, holy cow. Yeah. And yeah. Um, yeah, like that's that's so wild that you had such an invasive surgery and you know, it's it's not an uncommon story where people who have chronic pain, they go for surgeries, myself included. I had carpal tunnel surgery. So it's like, you know, you go through all these horrible invasive medical things and that's trauma in itself. And then it doesn't work and no one can tell you why it doesn't work. Or you just really start to think that your body's just completely broken in some way. Yeah. Yeah. And you, so let's, really, uh, really yeah. Oh no, I'm sorry. I just said, yeah, it really detaches <laughs> you from your, from your body. Yeah, it totally does. And it's, it's awful. It's just the worst, but on a positive spin, let's uh, go to the time where you learned about the mind body connection. How did you even come across it? And what were your first thoughts about it when you read up that chronic pain is due to repressed emotion? Yeah, I first learned of it actually through a physical therapist who I really liked. Um, she, I mean, um, and by say, when I say I liked, I just mean that like, she was really focused on like what stressors were going on and as opposed to like, what can we do in turn? I mean, she did that conventional physical therapy, but she had a much more open mind about it. And she knew that I did as well to a certain degree. So she had mm -hmm. referenced me to Curable and um, the Curable app and was like, hey, like these people have a podcast and an app. And like, she's like, I don't know, like if I fully buy into it, but I do think that like you have an open enough mind that like it may be of benefit to you. And so I listened. So of course, like I'm the type of person, like if someone gives me something, I'll go through everything that they give me. Um, and so I look, listened to the podcast and I remember taking a walk, listening to like the first episode. And I don't honestly remember who the interviewee was, but they, what I do remember was that they were someone that had pain who had been to law school um, and the pain had started around then. And I just had this like overwhelming feeling of like, this is it. This is, mm -hmm. this person's life is, is my life. And like that, and like the idea that like prior trauma can cause pain. I was at least open to that. 
um, mm -hmm. because there were so many similarities. And the other thing that I loved about it was this idea that like, they weren't after trying to manage pain and not trying to like, how can we give you like a slightly better life for the rest of your life? Mm -hmm. It was more like, how can we like help you see that like you are not damaged and like you can go about. And once I heard that, it was, I was just like hooked like this. And so then I just went down the deep dive of like, I need to go see Dr. Strax in Chicago because he was one of the people that was interviewed on the Curable podcast. Right. And, um, and he has a program where he basically does everything virtual. So the city that I live in doesn't have like a TMS practitioner, um, but he right. was close enough that I could go see him for like a one-time visit in Chicago. And then everything else was virtual. And his program was very group driven, which is, was helpful for me. Like it was really, I think empowering to see like a whole room of people on like his like Zoom call program that were all like, not all, but like largely in their thirties, largely successful in their career. Like people that on, I had tried support groups before where like, I felt like I didn't connect with, like everyone was in different life stages and had different approaches to their pain. And it was very like complain driven and like victim kind of victim personas versus right. like Dr. Strax's program was really focused on like connecting with people and digging into like your own like emotions and rejecting the idea that like you were going to be like this forever. And that was exactly like the fuel that I needed um, to really kind of like launch my own recovery and to be able to like connect with these people and form relationships with other people mm -hmm. that had a similar approach because it, to me, it is so counter culture that it can feel very isolating. So to be right. able to make essentially friends with people that spoke this whole, because up to that point, it had been um, very lonely for me, at least. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's so true. Like, that's such a great idea that he had the group, like, circles or whatever you call it um yeah. to actually do this inner work and stuff because when you do go on that healing journey on your own it can be super isolating and I know for me I just used the curable app and it was like you know there was the Facebook group which was great but having a group of people that you actually connect with on a regular basis as you do this I can imagine how valuable that would be so that's amazing that you were able to have that experience with uh, Dr. Strax that's so awesome yeah, and I think he was really brave to do what he did at the time that he did it because he had been a, um, a doctor at Northwestern um, mm -hmm. and within kind of the typical medical model, I think what he was trying to do just didn't fit within like how insurance works and how major right. like hospital systems work. And, and so I think it took a lot of bravery for him to feel like that courage of like, this is what people need. Like they don't yeah. need to all live in Chicago for me to help them. And there are people all over the country and all over the world, as you know, that like are suffering from this. So I, um, I think it takes people like that, that are just like willing to kind of evolve um, the work that had been done before them by Dr. Sarno or whoever, like take it to like what they think is like the next like chapter and kind of how to help people. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Like it's so brave for Dr. Strax and like even Dr. Sarno, like when he was, you know, still around and telling people about TMS to actually go against the grain yeah. and give people that truth that, you know, this is what's needed for chronic pain to cure it. 
rather than just manage it and chase little bits of pain relief here and there. Whereas, you know, there's this whole system of inner work that people can do where they can literally completely 100% heal from that pain and be able to live their lives. And I think if more people knew about this, more people would be open-minded to it because when you just first hear about it, you know, like it depends how open-minded you are, but myself, for example, I was super closed-minded about it. I was like, no, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. Like I am offended. I don't have trauma. What does this app or like, what does Sarno know? (laughs) And then sure enough, it's like, I just reluctantly did it because I was so desperate for pain relief. And it's like, oh no, this this does actually work. So it's like, and then you start talking about it and then other people get offended. And it's, (laughs) you know, I just feel like the more people that know about it, the better. Yeah. And that, and I, I do, I, I share that sentiment of like, it is, it is a very like, uh, I think it's brave to be someone like Dr. Sarno or, or Dr. Mm-hmm. Strax. And it, it also takes like a certain bravery of the people that do the work because it is yeah. like at, at best you have receptive family members, but even receptive family members don't truly, and I don't even blame them. Like you can't, it's not something that unless you're in the shoes of that situation. I think, I think it's just a really alienating type of thing. So the ability of Dr. Strax to really hone in on that, that like being connected with other people that are doing it as well is super helpful Mm -hmm. because you don't have like much of a support structure outside of the people that, um, that you're kind of going through it with. Exactly. And the fact that he's an actual doctor too, right? Because when, when a regular person like me or you talks about it, it's like, oh, what do you know? Right. (laughs) Yeah. But then when you have an actual medical doctor who like this is his career, who's saying like, no, this is actually legit, like mind body is a thing and it can cure pain that has so much more credibility. And, you know, I just I hope he keeps doing what he's doing so that even more people can like find out about it and, you know, take it seriously when there's someone who's like in authority, who knows what they're talking about and can actually give that information out. Yes, I, I, I totally agree. Awesome. So how long did it take you from when you first started doing this work to being pain-free? So like, I'll cite, I'll answer your question a little bit differently than the way you yeah. asked it, just because I feel like sure. it, like the way that, the way that I would say it. So I've been working with Dr. Strax for three years um, and I'm not 100% pain-free now. Um, but I, but I am 100% back to living the life that I want to live. And to me, like that is, um, maybe like sometimes not as clean of a narrative, you know, like, I feel like there are some, there are some recovery stories where it, it, and, and that's awesome. Like for the people that like, where you like do the work for a period of time, then you're completely 100% pain-free. I still have like physical pain and I, not not nearly to the degree that I had before, right. but I yeah. like view it, it as affect like, your okay, life as much. Yes, like it. If you know this year, like everyone's year, twenty twenty has brought like yeah. some tragedy to our family, and then just kind of like generally like the all the stress that we're going through, and my body like tells me that. Like I, I sometimes I'll have pain that's like telling me, um, but I say that to say like I do feel like over the course of maybe the first maybe for about a, like a, about halfway through. So maybe a year and a half, I reached Mm -hmm. the point where I was like, you know what, I may still have some pain, but I do feel comfortable Mm -hmm. that I can do whatever I want. Um, And once I felt that, 
I feel like my progress increased substantially because that fear was gone. So like, I was always like, I want to do a triathlon. Okay, well, let's buy a bike. Let's join a swim member. Like these things where I felt like, okay, this is what I want to do right now. And I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if I have pain, I'm going to do it anyway. And by doing that, I think the pain became less important because it right. was no longer like a, a, some sort of like hurdle as much as it was just something that like I may live with, I may not live with, but like, I'm going to go ahead and do everything that I want to do in my life versus for so long, it had been like, well, I can't do this, or I shouldn't do that, or it's not safe for me to do this thing. Um, so that is how I kind of choose to look at it is less about like, whether I'm 100% pain free and more about like, am I 100% like free to do what I want? Amazing. That's so amazing. It, you know, like, even if, people don't reach that pain free. And I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that as well. Cause you know, some people have this expectation that I'm going to do the work for an ex- like X amount of time and then I'll be pain free and no yeah. more issues in the world. Right. And um, you know, the fact that you still do have pain, but you're able to say like, it's not important and I can still do a triathlon and I can still do the things and take care of my kids and you know, be a dad and a husband and all that kind of stuff is just amazing that, you know, you're living proof that you can still have a life, even if you have pain and it doesn't have to affect you in such a debilitating way. Yeah. And I think like, for me, that's really important is this idea that like, I mean, this is very like meta and like ethereal, but like, I think the way that I approached it is like, so when I was younger, my mother passed away when I was younger. So it it left me with this understanding that like, we don't know like how much time, like if I just wait until I'm pain-free to live my life, like, I don't know how long, like my life is, I mean, hopefully I have a long life, but like, we have no idea of that. And that, that was instilled in me in like a really young age. So I think it like right. kind of just exacerbated this idea of like, I'm less concerned. I obviously I don't want to have pain, but I'm less concerned with mm-hmm. that. And I'm more concerned with like, I want to be able to do things with my kids and I want to be able to do the hobbies that I want to do. And um, so that I think, kind of fueled my recovery is like, I'm not going to wait until I'm pain-free to start doing these things. Right. Amazing. That's amazing. And it's true. You don't have to wait till you're hundred percent pain-free. You can start doing the things when you start noticing like, Oh, the work is working. So that's, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So tell us about um, what you've started doing now with your knowledge on TMS and your joy pops app and uh, where that's headed. Yeah. So like a lot of people that I think recover like um, substantially from TMS or chronic pain, there's like a, almost like a, um, um, like an evangelical like sense to like try to give, like spread the word or give back or like do what you can because it is so alienating. And um, so that was something that I had kind of set my mind to for for a long time that I was interested in exploring. So about six months ago, I started working with um, a startup studio that focuses on mental health solutions. So the mm-hmm. only types of like companies that they partner with are those that are dealing with some form of like um, advancement in kind of the mental health space. And mm-hmm. so the basic guide, the core idea of what we started with was this idea that I didn't, f- I feel like there are a lot of phenomenal services for information related to TMS, Um, podcasts, books, doctors, apps like Curable that do a phenomenal job of 
helping people when they're in the early stages of learning um, kind of have access to the information needed to start their recovery journey. Um, mm-hmm. But my experience was that the recovery journey takes a long time um, and it is isolating. And I didn't, you know, I think a large part for me of recovery is being able to connect with other people. Um, and I had tried connection before Dr. Strax's small groups through like Facebook mm-hmm. groups. And I found them to be sort of, they weren't what I needed. Like there's just right. so many people on there and I didn't know any of them. And I didn't know how qual- the comfortable the quality of the information is and the information's not private. And like, sometimes it kind of skewed negative and to see the night and day difference between that and like the small group, like safe spaces that Dr. Strax created. Um, so what we wanted to do with the app and with the startup is explore the kind of a um, ability to create a kind of like digital ecosystem for small group mm-hmm. healing. Um, so for the last three months now, we've been working full-time doing interviews with anyone in the TMS space. So that includes practitioners, that includes coaches, that includes patients, obviously, basically learning from them um, what their experience has been and mm-hmm. what they need more of. Um, with the basic idea being that with mental health, like everything is so nuanced that before we build a solution, we wanted to understand the problem like super intimately. Um, and so we've been doing those interviews and the, the main like needs that we have kind of quantified that, that people have expressed are for people that have started their recovery process, have been working at it a long time or, a, or at least like a moderately long period of time and feel like they need additional um, social validation from other people um, in a safer space than would be the case in Facebook. So in smaller kind of like more intimate, more connected environment mm-hmm. and uh, then ongoing motivation and ongoing kind of hope. Um, the idea being that like at the beginning, there's a lot of momentum and hope based on the services that are out there. But as time goes on, like getting refueled with that um, can be more of a challenge. So we've looked at other organizations outside of pain that have that we feel like have done a really good job of this. So um, for instance, Cheryl Sandberg, who's the COO of Facebook, has an organization called Lean In. Um, that focuses on women um, who are trying to um, re-empower themselves with small group healing. So she has these lean-in circles. Um, So they're like small groups that people can join, women can join around certain topics um, and then basically form these friendships. And there's another group called uh, the Dinner Party that takes like people that have been through grief of a close, close family member um, and it, people that are in their kind of like twenties and thirties and connects them together with other people with shared experiences. So that instead of being on a Facebook group with like 8,000 people that you have no idea who they are, you have like a small circle of like three or four or six people that right. you can connect with and have been kind of hand matched to you based on your lifestyle and, um, what, what you're looking for. And so that's kind of the idea we've been exploring with the app. Um, or that's kind of how the idea has evolved as we've listened to people is how can we create? And so a lot of the priorities that people have placed on is that they want the groups to be small and intimate 
and mm -hmm. they want um, appropriate boundaries. So one problem that people have with Facebook groups is that there's no boundaries. So people might overshare information or they may share yeah. um, suggestions that people aren't asking for suggestions. Or um, So a lot of the feedback has come, how can we create boundaries for these small communities so that people can facilitate it themselves and feel like it's a healthy space as opposed to just um, feeling like they're kind of taking on other people's um, problems in addition to, to their own. So that's kind of what we've been exploring and that's what we're gonna, we're still in the research phase right now. So um, mm -hmm. we're continuing to interview people to basically learn because each person that we talk to, the idea kind of continues to evolve. Um, and so before we move forward with kind of investment of building something, we want to make sure that we kind of fully understand people's um, unique experiences. Amazing. That's that's such a great idea and strategy. And it's so good that like you're doing that market research, you're seeing what people want and, you know, you're getting a better idea of like how to structure your own healing groups as well. So that's, that's super awesome. And we will definitely have you back on the podcast when that launches <laughs> so that, uh, you know, people can find out about it. Cause I think it's super important for you know, the world to know about the mind-body connection, like, seriously. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, I, it, it, it's really cool to me, too, to just, like, see the, um, just to see kind of the universal, like, almost everyone that we've talked to has tried to connect with other people that are sharing their experience. Right. Um, and most of the time, those connections haven't most of the time, honestly, it's been Facebook groups and yeah. we just kind of, it's, it's been interesting to just hear the same data over and over if like, I've tried Facebook groups and yeah. I really think that they could help me because of X, Y, or Z, but like, I haven't come away. So that tells us like, there's a need, there's a need for this yeah. social validation. Um, and I'm not honestly sure that it's a need that, that um, the medical community understands as much as the people that are experiencing it. So it's been cool right. to to basically build the startup with the people that need it by by including them like in this early stage of really getting feedback mm -hmm. from them. Yeah, that's the best possible way you could go about it because you know, like it's the people who have these needs around the groups and you know, Facebook groups are great, but they're not great for everyone. And you know, there is definitely a lack of boundaries in those groups for sure. Like for my experience in Facebook groups was like, okay. Um, and pretty good for the most part. Like I would just like post my wins and stuff. Um, but then, you know, I'd get yeah. the comments of like, oh, lucky you. <laughs> and then like, you don't know who yeah. you're upsetting by <laughs> posting your progress and saying like, oh, you know, like I, I made one post of like, I bit into my first apple today. <laughs> like I was super excited. And then there's people saying like, oh, I wish I could do that too. And it's like, oh, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> you know? So it's yeah. like, you're kind of taking on other people's crap in a way. So when there are these smaller groups, like, I just think that's such a great idea. And I wish that that was a thing when I was on my healing journey as well. Because, you know, even though I did, you know, get through it in a relatively short period of time, um, it would have probably been more beneficial to have like just a core group of people that I could connect with on a regular basis. And, you know, figure out if I'm doing it right or you know like helping them as well in a way where there's boundaries clear boundaries in place because I think that's always important I I love boundaries <laughs> um 
it's my favorite thing to talk about and um yeah it's just that's you're doing amazing things like I'm just I'm super impressed with like the approach you're taking to this and how much time and effort you're putting into like really figuring out what TMS TMSers if whatever we want to call them um want and require in order to make that healing journey go more smoothly and with a appropriate peer support group so like I just I applaud you for putting all this work into it and you're doing amazing things like this is going to be life-changing for so many people well I really appreciate it and if there are people that are listening to this we're going to basically be um do I, I truly envision we'll continue to be doing interviews the entire life of the project right so like we're in the research phase now but um, kind of the, the the next idealized phase would be to start testing. We've started to move towards, you know, what would different solutions look like in terms of how these groups would actually be structured and how we would match make people together. And so we have, at a certain point, we're going to have a lot of data about what we think is best, but really the only way at a certain point to, um, to really start to hone in on like what is the healthiest way to set our idea up is going to be to start testing it out. So um, at some point um, in the relatively near future, we'll move to the next stage, which I imagine will ba be basically to do um, kind of like beta versions of, of like what we think is best and then learn from them and get feedback from people. Um, so if there are people that um, have pain and, and are interested in the idea, we've set up a web page that's basically a landing page for you to sign up to kind of continue to learn more about our journey and obviously learn more about the idea. Um, so if people are interested, so the website is joypops, which is J-O-Y-P-O-P-S.org, O-R-G. Um, it's not a super robust website, but it gives a little bit of background and, and also includes um, a sign up to kind of continue to learn more. So um, I always tell people every interview that we do, and I, I truly mean it, is like every time I talk to someone, it's so cool because the idea shifts, you know, like... Yeah what the idea is now is very, very different than the first interview we did. And so the more people that we talk to and the more input that we get, the, I think, I truly think like the better for, for the, for the startup. Absolutely. That's, that's so awesome. And yeah, thank you for letting everyone know about your website and that they can actually sign up to it and even potentially become a beta tester or, you know, have interviews with you so that you can have more information on, how to structure this. So I'll definitely be putting that in the episode description notes so that people can easily click on it and get in touch with you because I think this is super important. And, you know, like, again, the the amount of effort and care that you're putting into this is just amazing. Like, this is awesome. Well, I appreciate it. And I, get, I should give a shout out. So it's, it, um, it, I'm making it sound like it's me alone. But so I work with the team. Um, Heal Ventures is, uh, um, the, the team that I'm working with that, that focuses on um, mental health apps. And they were the ones that really, I interviewed maybe like 15 or 20 app development agencies. Um, and there are a lot of app development agencies that are really good at building like really fancy products, like really quickly. Um, mm -hmm. And what stood out to me about Hill Ventures is like they go really slow um, and really focus on listening which when I did my interview with them, it was like, oh my God, like this is, this makes so much sense, but it's so different than mm. the tech community that kind of like dominates the space. Um, so, yeah. so I've been really grateful to be able to kind of like work with them 
um, in both a coaching relationship and, and as advisors. Amazing. I'm glad you found them. That's that yeah, they sound so much better. Yeah. <laughs> they sound like the most appropriate app developers for this type of work and for this type of like intervention for chronic pain. So great choice. That's awesome. Um, yeah, just, and I, I guess it's just like, you know, in your, not to put words in your mouth, but with your journey, like being able to like, um, like foster your coaching business and your podcast, having had experience with pain yourself, like they, not to go into their per, personal journeys, but everyone in that, in, in their like startup studio has had a mental health journey of their own. And I, I just think that's so important. Um, for people yeah. that are building these things because you can't fully empathize without kind of having done the, the journey yourself. I could not agree more. <laughs> when you have people that can empathize, like empathy is everything when it comes to this kind of stuff. And when there's people who've actually been through their own mental health journey and their own healing journey who are creating the product that makes the product so much more valuable for the consumer and the people who are going to rely on this product in the future for their own healing journey. So I think that's amazing. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Do you have any final words of wisdom for anybody who's maybe just embarking on their healing journey or just finding out about the mind-body connection and maybe they're a little skeptical or they're not sure if it's right for them? What do you have to say for anyone listening who's in that situation? Oh my gosh. Um, I, if I had to like, if I had to, to say one thing that the thing that always stuck with me when I, when I did this, when I started my journey was like, take that leap of faith. Um, I think so many of us that have gone through the medical um, meat grinder, so to speak, of kind of traditional <laughs> Western medical model are, I think there's a level of trauma that comes with that just from the level of disappointment and getting your expectations up and then having them let down. And with medical intervention, like there's also the trauma of like things not working out and doing surgeries or medicines or whatever. And so like one thing that I think really stuck with me um, when I worked with Dr. Strax is just his ability to help people find the faith to just try it yeah. without expectation that anything particular is going to happen. And, you know, the, I, I think the ability to do that is super courageous and vulnerable, but also opens people up to like a world of kind of different opportunities than maybe what they've tried before. So I know that's like super kind of like ethereal and woo woo, but that would be my, um, my one piece of advice. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> and yeah, you know, it's at, at this point, like, let's just listen to all the woo-woo stuff because you never know what's going to work. I mean, yeah. you know, some woo-woo stuff take with a grain of salt because it really makes no sense. But this, when you have actual people who have like done the work, there's actual doctors who are talking about it, like Dr. Strax and, you know, Dr. Sarno, like bless him for doing all his work that he did. He was amazing and, you know, like, it, it doesn't make sense at first when you find out about it because we're used to that medical model. We're used to that whole like scientific, like this surgery is the right thing for this ailment and this type of pain and then it doesn't work. And I think enough people have had the experience where they've chased pain relief and it hasn't worked and they've had that disappointment 
that, you know, why not try it? Why not try right. the mind body intervention instead? Because you kind of have nothing to lose. Like, and even if you do go for like an app or like a coach where you're spending money on it, like that's okay too. Cause like how much money do you spend on pain relief? And, you know, it's like, you might as well just try it because it'll probably be the last thing you ever try. <laughs> and yeah. you're probably trying it cause you're at that rock bottom. So just, just give it a shot. Like just take that leap of faith. And I couldn't agree more with what you said. <laughs> Well, I, and I, I appreciate um, you having me on today and I appreciate your podcast. Like I, um, I think even like in this journey, like a podcast is just like such a great medium to like help people like continue to stay motivated and so many things that we're trying to accomplish with. So we we're kind of like looking at like, okay, what are other people's like solutions, right? So like everyone has right. this problem that they're trying to look for additional motivation and they're trying to avoid isolation. Like what are people using to like get by? And like our data shows that podcasts are one of the best ways that people stay motivated and stay non-isolated because you can, you know, connect with people's mm -hmm. uh, recovery stories and people's like motivation and, and absorb that. So um, I really appreciate, uh, as a listener of your podcast, being able to have that motivation for myself as well. Amazing. Well, thanks for listening to my podcast. <laughs> and I'm glad that it's been helpful for you too. Like, you know, the more, the more information I can put out there, the more people that I can speak to who have healed from chronic pain in this way, like the better, like, I just, I, I agree with you that podcasts are such a great tool for people to like connect you know, even though, even though you're probably not actually connecting to that person, like one-on-one, -on -one, just hearing them speak about it and hearing them tell their story, you never know who is on the other end of that podcast listening, who has that same, you know, ailment or mystery symptom or mystery illness or mystery pain. And that can give them so much hope and, you know, the idea of having an action plan to just not have this pain anymore. And that's super valuable. I agree. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here once again. And um, yeah, I will put all your information in the description box of this episode so people can reach you. And it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Awesome. Bye.